I'm Bo Maddox. I'm Robert Ortegon. This is Collateral Cinema. What makes you think you can bullshit your way into my head? Like every other pencil that piece of shit. Welcome to Collateral Cinema, the only movie podcast that matters, where we focus on good movies, bad movies, and everything else in between in the world of cinema. We're podcasting straight from somewhere in South Texas, and yes, my friends, we are a 420-friendly podcast, so smoke them if you got them, my friends. Smoke them if you got them. How's it going, Robert? Hello, everything's good with me. How you oh, doing? Oh, yeah, yeah, it's totally good. And uh, this movie that we're doing is something that uh, you chose, right? Yes, I did. All right, and that movie is the 2007 horror slash carsploitation flick by the great Quentin Tarantino, Death Proof. This was part of the Grindhouse uh, duo of films. It came out in the summer of that year. And it included uh, Planet Terror, which was uh, Robert Rodriguez's kind of zombie flick, I guess you could say. And that was a pretty fun movie. Yeah, it was pretty good. I mean, he was made by the guy who made From Dusk Till Dawn, you know. Good stuff, good stuff. And it had a bunch of trailers by other directors such as Eli Roth and Edgar Wright and Rob Zombie. And uh, I believe Robert Rodriguez did the Machete one. And also there was the uh, Hobo with a Shotgun trailer. That, that, that's a movie that is a really, really fun little pastiche of exploitation movies. Have you ever heard of it, Robert? I've never seen it. I've only oh, seen it in your collection, really. Oh, man, it's, it's in my collection, and it's got Rutger Hauer in it, and god damn, it's a fun movie, man. Honestly, I would argue it's maybe a little more fun than this movie. I mean, this isn't what I would call one of Quentin Tarantino's best works. I don't think he would either. No, he he doesn't, as a matter of fact. I mean, but, I mean, it just doesn't hit the same notes that most all of his other works actually do. I mean, I'm not really sure why. Maybe it's just the way that the characters are written. You know, I mean, you rarely find anything to really uh, go with character-wise, and that's in both groups of women. I mean, you feel what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. Seriously. Well, Kurt Russell's character was actually really brilliant. Oh yeah, Kurt Russell was amazing in this movie. I mean, just starting off with the with the actors and the characters. I mean, stuntman Mike himself, he's in he's somewhat compelling, I guess. I mean, he's a it's a different take on the usual quote unquote slasher villain, you know. Mm. I mean, what do you think about uh, his use of a uh, car as a weapon? I think he just. Invented that himself, really, because 
I guess the stuff, the stunt industry is dying off and everybody's using CGI, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, there's not a whole lot of practical car effects anymore, which is amazing because, I mean, I know that you put a lot of people's lives at risk sometimes with it, but, you know, I mean, that just, that comes with the territory. I mean, stunt people know that. Yeah. I mean, it's just part of their craft. It's part of uh, the art of it. Also, the insurance companies are probably getting pissed off. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. yeah. And, I mean, unfortunately, I mean, there was that uh, thing with uh, Quentin Tarantino and Uma Thurman and Kill Bill, where apparently they they pretty much uh, threw her into a car, made her do a car stunt, and she got injured. Yeah. That's not cool. It's like, I mean, who, who, was, who was on set that day that allowed that? What stunt coordinator did allowed that to happen? No. No, I mean, Jesus Christ, people. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Quentin, come on now. I mean, I, I think he said that he wasn't on set for that or something. He didn't, like, yeah. green light that, but I, I don't know. That's a whole other issue. Those movies are entirely. long. Kill Bill 2 is really long. Oh, it's a long-ass movie. Longer than Star Wars, right? No. <laughs> Just talking the whole time, really. Well, longer than Terminator 2, I think, right? Yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> and Zoe Bell... She's uh, the uh, lead character in the second half of the film, and she plays herself. She's a stunt woman. She was uh, Uma Thurman's double in Kill Bill. Like, yes. do, do you know what scenes she was uh, in in Kill Bill? Um, it's been a long time since I've seen those movies. Oh yeah, I mean, it's been a while since I've seen them as well. You know, I mean, they're, they're pretty fun. Those are fun movies. So much blood everywhere. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I mean. Yeah, he did. I mean, Quentin Tarantino, he just wanted to make a straight-up uh, Jambari film, you know, and I think he succeeded in that. Threw in a little bit of kung fu as well. and But, I mean, Zoe Bell, I mean, she straight-up put her life on the line in this movie, playing the ship ma ship's mask game. It's like, that's all practical stunt work right there. Like, I mean, could you imagine being strapped to the hood of a car With like that? Trying to, hold, trying to hold on like that? Uh-uh. That's old school. That's old school work. <laughs> That's a fucking death trap. I mean, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I mean, but but she she's really really hardcore in this film. I mean, she she really really gives it her all. I mean, even so, I mean, she's still written. Her character is still written by Quentin Tarantino, so it still kind of feels a little off, as do most of the characters in this film. But I mean, still just. As playing herself, I mean, she's really fun. You know, she's really just into cars and stunts, stunt work and making movies and shit. I mean, she, she's she's pretty much a projection of Quentin Tarantino's cinemaphile-ness, you know? Nice. Yeah, I mean, that, 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 I think that's kind of what she is. She's kind of that stand-in for just his love of movies and filmmaking, kind of. And that's what that come across it comes across as a little bit, you know? Yeah, we'll get into the ending part, I guess. Oh, the ending part is great. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Rosario Dawson was in this movie. And apparently her character, I mean, she's a kind of a foul mouth a little bit, right? Yeah. I mean, wasn't, was it her or was it uh, the other girl that was supposed to be kind of a little XP of Samuel L. Jackson a little bit? Like, I think that's how uh, Tarantino wrote that character. Almost like a Jackie Brown or something. Some, something like that, right? 
I mean, I'm not, I'm not really sure. I can't put my finger on it, but I mean, I think that I heard somewhere along the line that one of those characters was kind of modeled after Samuel L. Jackson, just yeah. kind of a female variant, a little bit. And uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, who does she play in this film? Mary Elizabeth Winstead. I think she, is she that cheerleader girl in the second? I think she might be the cheerleader girl. Yeah. I'm I'm not entirely sure. Correct us if we're wrong, people. I think you I've know, seen her if, a few you know, give us a comment in, in the on the Podbean uh, account. I mean, I'm not sure. Yeah, she may have been the cheerleader. I mean, if so, that's actually kind of an interesting character. You know, like she's she's kind of meant to be this atypical uh, exploitation film female character. Yeah, she's the cheerleader. She, she's the cheerleader? Yeah. All right, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm looking at a picture of her now. It's like, yeah, that's totally when her. They, when they switch from the, the 74 Mustang to the Challenger. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. I mean, yeah, she, she's actually very interesting. I mean, and she gets left behind, you know, like she's an atypical exploitation film character and... She's not the one that's thrown into the spotlight there. She's kind of left behind whenever they uh, leave in the vanishing point car. Yeah. You know? So, I mean, there may be a little bit of symbolism there with her character, you know? It's like the slutty cheerleader. Well, not so much <laughs> slutty. She's just, just, just... She's just an actor. She, yeah. just, she plays just, an actor. She plays an actress. Yeah, she, actress. straight up. Die, cheerleader, die. All cheerleaders must die. <laughs> oh, that movie. <laughs> We won't, we won't get into that right now, you know? I mean, I think Lucky McKee had a hand in that. But, I mean, Rose McGowan, bless her heart, you know, she's in this movie. And like, I mean, she's been in the news a lot lately. I mean, she's kind of spearheaded the Me Too movement a little, like, mostly. Whatever God you worship, bless her for that, you know? I mean, we, we do support that, her, her involvement in that here. And But, I mean, she plays... Uh, Stuntman Mike's first actual victim in this movie, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, she's the, the blonde-haired girl, and she uh, she's uh, killed in a rather frightening way. Like, he just straight up speeds up down the uh, street, like, and she's just freaking out. She's like, please stop, please stop. And then he's like, okay. And... <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't she doesn't have a seat much less a seat belt <laughs> so yeah she, she gets fucked up she gets like just royally fucked up but her character is very interesting she's pretty much like a foil to stuntman mike kind of right yeah she she's kind of a foil i mean she calls him on his bullshit constantly He's just telling story after story. Really. Yeah, yeah, and she's just like, "Are you serious? <laughs> you're you're so full of shit." But I mean, essentially, she still ends up going home with her. But of course, she doesn't make it home. Yeah, she goes home with Kurt Russell. But I mean, it it is kind of interesting as a uh, first kill, you know, because she she's actually the one woman in that entire bar who has at least some bullshit deflector on, more or less. You know? Yeah. I mean, she's pretty much calling out all the fucking uh, tropes that uh, Kurt Russell is falling into. I mean, when you really think about it. Yeah, he knows. She knows she's, he's full of shit, really. Yeah. But still, she ends up going home with him. In quotes, home. <laughs> but still, I mean, that's a, that's a pretty compelling scene. And also, you know, Kurt Russell breaks the fourth wall a little bit there. I mean, whenever, like, just kind of winks at the camera. It's just like, oh, okay, yeah, everybody knows what's going on here. Death trap car. <laughs> yeah, and uh, 
who's this uh, last actress you have written here, Robert? Who is that? Uh, Ferlita, Ferl- oh. Who do, who did she who did she play in this film? Oh, oh she's was the one she with the but- She was butterfly. She's the one dancing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. She, she's dance. butterfly. Yeah. That, that's who she is. It's like yeah, she's kind of a weird character when you really think about it because. I mean, she's kind of set up to be the final girl in the in the whole slasher angle of the movie, but I mean, she's decidedly she not only does not fit that role, she's completely obliterated. I mean, her face is ripped off what by the, the by the tire, the, tire of the very car that is the title of the movie. It's it's pretty much like Tarantino just ripping that trope uh, a new asshole kind of. And the leg falls off too. The yeah. tire goes right through her face. Oh man, it just oh. goes straight through there. I mean, it, it's a great practical effect. I mean, it really is. I mean, that that whole sequence is really really interesting because of the different angles it shows. It shows what happens to every single girl in that car. Yeah. Like one of them gets just shot through the fucking windshield. I think you know? he's, he's punching it over a hundred, and then he he hits the lights. He just hits the lights yeah. out of nowhere, yeah, and then just it, it's a, it's a pretty immaculate car crash and very gory. I mean, Jungle Julia, that's that's her name. Yeah. Like she, oh, that's she her. loses a limb, and that that's a very realistic effect as well. I mean, you see that thing kind of just flop on the asphalt. Jesus Christ! <laughs> she just yeah. flops around a little bit, man, and she just gets. Fucked up, and everybody else is wasted except for him. Uh huh. Except for him, yeah. He's a he's a teetotaler. Yeah, yeah. I mean that that's on purpose, you know. It's like that's so he can have that excuse. It's like, well, I wasn't drinking. I wasn't drinking. They were totally drinking. It's like, I mean, in the end, I mean, what could the law actually prove? Nothing. Nothing. They couldn't prove anything. I mean, they said as much uh, when uh, the Paul and the Junior the. the sheriff from the from Planet Terror, and also I think Uma Thurman's character is in there, right? She makes an appearance in the yeah, the sheriff from from Dust Till Dawn too. That's the same guy. Yeah, I think it's the same guy. Yeah, I mean, he's also the sheriff in uh, Planet Terror. Nice as well. And yeah, they they have a brief discussion about uh, stuntman Mike, saying he was like, "Look, he's in there, fucked up, and still alive, and I got like four young women just slaughtered. It's a goddamn massacre." And, and it pretty much shows that they know what he's doing. The law knows what he's doing, and they know that they can't do anything about yeah, it. They can't prove nothing. <laughs> yeah. It's like, what can they prove? You know, there's nobody on that stretch of road that's, that's a witness to it. Mm-hmm. It's like everybody involved is dead. You know, I mean, what, what can be done? Nothing. I mean, seriously. That's my boy.
But, I mean, in the end, he does get his comeuppets, you know. And that has a lot to do with uh, just the different type of uh, women that he uh, decides to stalk, you know. You think Sigourney Weaver for that one? Oh, yeah. Hell yeah, dude. Totally. Badasses. Now, this movie was made on a budget of uh, $53 million. Now, its box office... Is a little disappointing. Wasn't too great. Thirty point seven million dollars. I mean, that's painful because you know, I mean, it's an interesting story, I guess. You know, I mean, like we, I mean, the car accident scene is pretty cool. The car chase scene, which we will go into here in a little while, that's going to be really interesting. That's a very interesting scene. But I mean, I don't know. Maybe it was just because even for a Quentin Tarantino film, it was just too dialogue heavy. Far too dialogue heavy. Even even for him, I mean, he's known for being dialogue heavy, especially in the first half of the movie. It it feels like it takes forever to get to even that first kill with Rose McGowan. You know, it feels like it takes like 30 years to get to that. He's all at the bar eating his nachos. Just eating his big old plate, just slopping that shit down his fucking, slopping that shit down his fucking gullet. No beer. <laughs> no beer. No alcohol at all. Oh, God. That's... <laughs> Basically, uh, he looks like Burt Reynolds. <laughs> you know? <laughs> That's what I think. Oh, man. Burt Reynolds would have been great in this movie. Oh, yeah. As Stuntman Mike. He would have been fantastic. Not that Kurt Russell wasn't great. I mean, Kurt yeah. Russell is easily the best character in the entire movie. He's perfect. Maybe next to Rose McGowan. And maybe to a degree, Rosario Dawson. I think she was maybe the third best. Clerks uh, 2, right? Yeah. Oh, man, she was great yeah, in Clerks 2. Maybe we'll get to that movie at some point. We'd like to do Clerks. First one. Of yeah. course. Oh, billboard. Woo! So what's the plan, man? Margaritas and Mexican food aweros. Did you call Rafael and tell him we're coming? Of course. You're so good. Okay, is Christian Simonson going to be there? I bet your ass he is. He's going to be there with Jesse Letterman. Christian Simonson, the filmmaker, is in town. He's got a big thing for Julia. If he had a big thing for me, he'd fucking call me as opposed to disappearing for six months. And he'd get his ass down here more often than he does. And on my birthday, he'd give me a fucking phone call. Oh, billboard. Woo! Decorating his house in the hills that I am also living in, I'll let you know works. So, Margarita's Mexican food aweros, touch base with Chris and Jesse, tell them about later, and make damn sure they come. Those other guys will be waiting for us to join them at the Texas Chili Parlor. Oh shit. Speaking of which, what happened with you and Nate last night? Well, you know, not much. We just fucking met each other. I mean, if you don't bust their balls a little bit, they're never gonna respect you. Okay, we're pretty clear on what it is you didn't do. How about enlightening us on what it is you did do? Nothing to write home about. We just made out on the couch for about 20 minutes. Dressed, half-dressed, or naked? Dressed. They said we made out. We didn't do the thing. <gasps> Excuse me for living, but what is the thing? You know, it's everything but. They call it the thing? I call it the thing. Do you guys like the thing? They like it better than no thing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I want to get back to what it is you did do. So you're making out on the couch with Nate, right? Correct. His couch is the one you're on telling stupid over here? Mine. Are you making out sitting up or lying down? We started sitting up. We worked our way to lying down. Hmm, the flat thickens. Who was on top? I was straddling him. What else? 
that was it. So we made out for a little while on the couch. And I said, okay, I'm gonna go to bed now, so it's time for you to leave. And then he starts to whine. Oh, right now? And I said, yep, right now, let's go. And he says, well, wait, what about this? And I said, no. He said, well, what do you mean no? You don't even know what I'm gonna say. And I said, I already know what you're gonna say. And the answer is no. He said, well, how can you say you know what I'm gonna say? And I said, because you're gonna say, let's just go to sleep together. We don't gotta do nothing. Just cuddle, sleep next to each other, wake up in the morning together. No, you're gonna leave, but I'll see you tomorrow. Yeah, fuck me. I mean, he's cute and all, but Jesse Letterman's gonna be all over her. Jesse Letterman, remember, no hooking up tonight. You can hang out with them, you can make out with them, but no hooking up with them. What do you think about Kurt Russell's character? Huh. I think he's got a fetish for the stunt world and women. So yeah. he puts them both together and he becomes yeah, like yeah. the he gets, ultimate he gets, serial killer. He gets actual sexual thrill from uh, getting into car crashes and killing these hapless women. Yeah, like this movie's based on gender mostly. It's Yeah, it's very much a uh, kind of a battle between the genders a little between bit. Between the sexes. I yeah. mean, it, it, but he's a very predatory character, you know, which... I don't know, maybe makes him uh, more uh, prescient uh, nowadays, you know. I mean, what with, uh, you know, the Harvey Weinstein uh, thing, you know, that whole unfortunate scenario. Oh, God. Mm. Just disgusted. Disgusting entirely. But, I mean, yeah, he he pretty much just uh, just hunts these women down, you know, taunts them pretty much. Like, shows up. Like, he's always seen there with the, the women that he ultimately kills. Yeah. You know? And he still gets away with it. How does he get these Polaroids of them? He's just following them around the whole time. Uh, yeah, yeah, seriously. It's like, I mean, there's no indication that he's using social media or anything like that no. to track them. I mean, he seems pretty old school about what he's doing. He doesn't even seem to have a cell phone. No. Much less. And then there are cell phones in this movie. Yeah, the flip phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? She has a, yeah. like Jungle Julia, she has a flip phone and she's sending and receiving text messages. And, and that's a point that for some reason is never brought up again. Yeah. That was kind of a mistake. Interesting little tangent right there that was never uh, resolved. Yeah, but I mean, Kurt Russell, I mean, he, he does bring a bit of grittiness to the character, you know, that it's kind of reminiscent of his Snake Plissken character. You know, just not nearly as cynical. He's a little more coy and just kind of winking at the camera a little bit. You know, it's like Kurt Reynolds would do. Yeah, (laughs) this is totally Kurt Russell knowing what he type of movies he's in and just kind of rolling with it. And it it is kind of fun to see him just kind of ham it up a little bit. You know, like like in that uh, scene where he's uh, talking to Rose McGowan over the plate of nachos, and you know. She's asking him, it's like, why are you here if you're a teetotaler? What, what do you get out of being in a bar? You know? Mm. And he does give a pretty succinct um, explanation. You know, it's like, hey, there's nachos, there's company of women. You know, I can talk to guys like, you know, Quentin Tarantino's character, the bartender. I get to talk to dudes like this. It's like, I mean, what's not to love? Talk about the stunt world. Yeah, get, get to just talk about bullshit, man. I mean... And in the end, I mean, you go to a bar, it doesn't mean that you have to drink anything. No. I mean, that that's why they have, you know, virgin virgin drinks. They have soda that you can drink. You can make, get a Cuba Libre, which is literally just soda and lime. 
That, that's literally a soda with a twist of lime. That's a Cuba Libre. And I mean, that kind of gives him a little bit of a uh, smart demeanor. But what becomes problematic about that is later on when he's actually defeated, all of that badass uh, angle that uh, he played up, it's pretty much thrown by the wayside. Like yeah. he, he becomes a, pussy. a little pussy as soon as, soon, as, as soon as somebody stands up to him and actually injures him. He's a little coward. It's like, that's a little disheartening. It's like, I don't know. I felt like he could take, you know, a bullet a little better than that. Yeah. You know, I mean, he's, he's a stunt man, you know, he's probably had some crashes where he's, he's experienced worse. Exactly. You know, Back he's injuries, probably, leg injuries. Yeah. he's probably been to the brink of death and he's crying over pouring alcohol in a balloon. Not, not that that's anything that's any small thing. That still sucks. I wouldn't yeah. want to have to pry a fucking bullet out of my arm. Yeah, Mr. Or tough guy is crying like yeah. a baby. <laughs> I, I would probably cry like a little bitch, but I mean, yeah. I don't know. When you're talking about a character like what Kurt Russell's supposed to be, yeah. it just doesn't, uh, it doesn't add up. I mean, it, it seems like he should be a little more ruthless than that. And it's kind of, and he even gets a little silly near the end, you know, before they beat him up. Like he comes out, like he says, like, "Oh, that was great." He, he's that like totally great, nerding out over this car over chase car that chase he just it. put them through. He just he damn near killed them like thirty times, and he's just like, "That was great, ladies!" And they rightfully shoot him his ass, rightfully so. I wouldn't I wouldn't be affable with him either. Yeah. I would just be like, "Nah, fuck you." It's like, I mean, no doubt. I mean... Try to kill us with a car. Yeah. 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 It's like, that's as good as pointing a fucking gun at us. Mm. You know? I mean, seriously. I mean, his choice of uh, homicide weapon is pretty fucked when you think about it. Yeah. I mean, he took out four people in one hit. If that was with a gun, that would be called a, considered a mass shooting. I mean, yeah, you're right. I mean, he's pretty much... He's a mass murderer, pretty much. And he, he does get his comeuppance, you know? Everything comes around. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, in the first half of the movie, he does fit the uh, slasher uh, s- archetype pretty well. Stalker. The, the like stalker, you know, 70s. I mean, yeah. yeah. And, I mean, you, you, it does all kind of uh, work towards the tropes of the slasher movie, and, of course, that's completely subverted. But, yeah, the, the first half that uh, is reminiscent of 70s and 80s horror, I mean, what kind of movies do you think it most it best evokes? You know, what, mm-hmm. like what specific movies do you think uh, Tarantino was uh, drawing from? The, the creepy serial killer that stalks him in the beginning, like Sorority House, Massacre, yeah, that type. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where you see the killer's face the whole time. Yeah, it, yeah. it's not so much a masked killer type of slasher. Yeah. It's it's not so much that. It's no. he's It's almost kind of like Slumber Party Massacre. I mean, you see who the killer is. I mean, he's not, he's not concealed. I mean, also, it's kind of similar to uh, the first half of The Burning Moon. You know, by Olaf Idenbach. Mm. You know, like you see the murderer the whole time. I mean, he goes on a on a date with uh, the main designated final girl. But and also, there's another movie called Angst, which is kind of a little play on the slasher genre and home invasion genre. That you see the character, you're pretty much from the perspective of the uh, killer. Yeah. You know, it's pretty much told from his perspective. There's a lot of '80s movies like that. There's a lot yeah. of '80s movies like that. You know, I guess you can kind of say maniac is uh, sort of maniac. Maniac is sort of down that uh, route, and maybe you can kind of argue that there's some uh, giallo elements here. You know, like Dario Argento or um, Mario Bava, kind of. 
you know, it's kind of, I mean, those, some of those movies uh, did uh, kind of uh, end up in the grindhouse circuit. So, I mean, it makes sense that they would kind of be evoked here. But yeah, I mean, I think that a movie that probably better uh, exemplifies that is probably It Follows. That movie kind of uh, fits the uh, late 70s, early 80s uh, horror trope, kind of the slasher genre, a little better than this movie. I mean, of course, this movie is more playful. It's more of a wink and a nod to the to the uh, cinema going crowd, more or less. But I think that it, the first half of the movie does a good job of evoking that uh, that particular aura. I mean, and I and honestly, I think yeah, like Black Christmas would probably be another Black good example yeah. of what this uh, movie evokes a little bit. It kind of has that. Uh, angle to it that's creepy the kids in the attic the whole time like yeah hmm. but the second half of the movie that's pretty much a straight-up car exploitation film now robert you're very much a car nut and you're pretty huge into this genre why don't you kind of explain some of the explain the genre a little bit you know like go into like some of the main movies that people should see from it like, like some original. of the best the best actors from yeah. that era like John Saxton movies yeah. car chase movies and yeah yeah 1970s Burt Reynolds like Hooper I don't know if you've seen that like I, I don't think I've seen Hooper Smoking that's right after the first Smoking and the Bandit I've seen Smoky and the Bandits back in the day I've seen that the shit first man. one's the best right <laughs> oh man that, the first one is great and then yeah. like <clears throat> Dirty Mary Crazy Larry I've heard of that movie is Old that school I mean uh, what, what's the general gist of that film I think it's based on a true story oh yeah it's almost like a Bonnie and Clyde thing. But at oh, the end, they, okay. they steal okay. a challenger. And the ending, you got to see the ending. Oh, wow. Wow. And, and this this movie, Death Proof, uh, really uh, alludes to Vanishing Point a lot. Yeah. Like, I mean, what are your thoughts on that film and how it uh, plays into Death Proof? Well, the same 1970 Challenger RT they mm -hmm. use. And the chasing is pretty great. It's almost exactly like it. Oh yeah, and what is that? A '69 Charger? I, I, th yeah. I think so. I mean, it's it's pretty much the exact uh, Vanishing Point car. I mean, exactly. I think Tarantino made a point of getting that car. He's pretty much well, Vanishing Point. He was just a runner, right? He was just taking the car back through. Yeah, Nevada, yeah, it was really. something like that. I mean, I'm not that familiar with the plot of Vanishing Point, honestly. I mean, I don't really think I've seen Vanishing Point. Mm. I've seen it a few times. Yeah. I mean, I, I just know that this movie really like. That's it the brings, car. That's the car from the film. I know that. Damn good car. I think it's like a Challenger RT Hemi. Yeah. And the 69 Charger is like a 446 pack or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wow. So that's a pretty supercharged muscle car. Yeah. There, the, Those the things would do 160 stock. Oh, damn. Yeah, both of them. And what about the car that the Kurt Russell uses? Like, is it similar? Is, like, how is it different from the Vanishing Point car? Um, his is all decked out with a row cage. It's basically a death machine. Yeah, it, it's a, it's a uh, actual stunt car. Like the way he built it, I don't think he could die because, you know, back then they were just lap belts. Yeah, and they didn't have any airbags. See, he put the whole harness in his in a cage. Mm -hmm. So he's protected. He's well protected. Yeah, yeah definitely. And I mean, those those cars. I mean, they have pretty sturdy uh, construction as far as their frame yeah. and everything. You can crack your whole mouth on the steering wheel alone, dude. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. You see what happened to Rose McCowan. Mm. I mean, fuck. On the dash, dude. Oh, that sucks, man. I mean, her face is pretty much split open. Uh. It's like, yeah, I wouldn't want to be caught in a crash in that thing. Fuck no, dude. 
at least not without the modifications that he made. Exactly. You know? Take the stock lap belts off and get a harness. Definitely. Definitely. I mean, that's pretty much like a straight racing harness. Mm. It'll yeah. keep you yeah, NASCAR much confined level. to the seat without moving anything. And wow. That's what you need. And what kind of car is it? The death proof car? Oh, uh, there's two of them. You see the Chevy Nova, the 1970 Chevy Nova. Yeah. Was it the one with the skull on it and the duck? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that, that's the first one that we see when... It's the first death proof car. Yeah. yeah, in the first half of the film, that's what we see. 1970s Chevy Nova. Because, yeah, he, he crashes it halfway through. Mm. So, he yeah, that car is pretty much cashed. It's done. It's, it's totaled. Twisted. Everything's mm-hmm. fucked up. Yeah. It's been used for its purpose. Give him a few more months. He's already got another car together. Right. Yeah, man. It's, it's like, man, he must have, like, some type of uh, residuals from some movies, mm-hmm. you know, to fucking afford that, you Jesus know? Jesus Christ. I yeah. mean, shit. I mean, it's definitely just good old school car movie nerd shit. TV shows like Smokey and the Bandit. No, uh, Dukes of Hazard. Dukes of Hazard, yeah. Starsky and Hutch. Yeah, those Old had a lot of yeah. those had a lot of uh, interesting car chases in them. You know, I think even like the A team had some interesting. Yeah, they did uh, car chases. Yeah, that, the, it was that big ass van. Yeah, the A team van. <laughs> the A team van, Mr. T. Oh fuck, man! Pretty the fool. I was watching that uh, with our co- coworker Dave the other night. It's like, hell yeah, man. It's like, you got to respect, with Mr. T, you got to respect a man who will just go into a fight and not even take his jewelry and his goddamn chains off. I mean, you got to respect a man that will do that. Like, straight up. <laughs> so, you, seriously, you don't fuck with that. No. It's like, that—that that is a man that does not give a fuck. He will fuck his chains up to, to put you put you down. Also a character in Rocky Three. Yeah, the character in Rocky Three, he fights with his chains on, huh? Um, does he? I don't think so. If he does, that would be amazing. It's like the same character in every movie, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. What I didn't like was the 18th movie with the, what's his name, playing him. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I don't know, man. I don't know. Have you been following us? You saw my car, I saw your legs. Now look, I ain't stalking y'all, but I didn't say it wasn't a wolf. He's got charm. Is there anybody in this place you could vouch for to give me a ride home? Fair lady, your chariot awaits. He's got style. Do I frighten you? Is it my scar? It's your car. And he's got a set of wheels. Is it safe? Oh, it's better than safe. It's death proof. To die for. <laughs> well, Pam, which way are you going? Left or right? Right, right. Ah, uh, that's too bad. Why? Well, because it was a 50-50 shot on whether you'd be going left or right. But since you're going the other way, I'm afraid you're going to have to start getting scared. Immediately. From Quentin Tarantino, the director of Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, and Kill Bill, comes Death Proof. This car is 100% Death Proof. Only to get the benefit of it, honey, you really need to be sitting in my seat. If he likes the way you move, then he decides... Girlfriend. The way you die. 
is brutal. His weapon is speed. But his latest targets are about to fight back. <laughs> Let's kill this bastard. You know our king lets you go. Quentin Tarantino's Death Proof. Ladies, that was fun. Booyah! A grindhouse feature. But yeah, I mean, the second half of this movie, I mean, for most of it, uh, Zoe Bell is strapped to the uh, hood, the front hood of the car, and they're playing a game called uh, Ship's Mast. Now, that that entails pretty much somebody on the front of the hood holding on to two straps. And uh, just basically trying to hold on for dear life as they just race around on the goddamn fucking road. It's basically how they get off. You know? It's like, I would be terrified, man. Oh, yeah. Like, I, like, I barely want to, like, stick my body halfway out of the window of a moving vehicle, much less, you know... Climb onto the hood of a Climb car. onto the hood of it while it's driving. I mean, that's, that's frightening. Mm. I mean, there's, there's people that have been killed doing shit like that. Mm. Yeah, I mean, don't try this shit at home, kids. Do not do it. Do not do it. It is just not worth it. These are professionals. Zoe Bell is a professional. She's been doing it for a while. She knows what's up. Don't know if Rosario Dawson's been doing this shit for a while, but <laughs> I mean, fuck. <laughs> Probably got a stun chick too. Yeah, girl, yeah, stun girl. Yeah. But, I mean, there's a great use of uh, practical stunt effects in this movie. I mean, there's, I mean, Quentin Tarantino is known for just absolutely detesting uh, uh, CGI. And, of course, that, I mean, that plays into the whole ship's mass game. I mean, Zoe Bell straight up puts her life on the line. And there's even that scene where, you know, they crash for a minute. She flies off and everybody is just like their heart is pounding. They're like, oh, please, please be alive. Please be alive. And then she just jumps up and she says, I'm okay. I'm good. It's like, yes. Damn. Like, that that was a very celebratory moment right there. I was just like, oh, my God. Oh, God, that was crazy. She's not even fucked up. And then they just decide to go fuck that ass up. Turn it around on him. Turn it around on him, man. Even, Even though, you know... I mean, the ship's mask thing, I mean, that was really thrilling. But when they actually try to fuck Stuntman Mike up, I mean... That's really, really crazy, you know, because th- that's after they shot him, right? Yeah, right after. That's right after they uh, shot him. He's uh, treating his wound with the liquor and everything. Crying like a little bitch. Crying like a little bitch. Yeah. And uh, he looks in his rearview mirror, and sure enough, like, uh, there they are right behind him, and they just ram into him, and which is interesting because it kind of mirrors when uh, he actually rammed into the car of the first group of girls yeah. that he killed. And now they're chasing him down. He's yeah, running yeah, for his I mean, life. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a shot that's kind of reminiscent of that, you know, which is kind of interesting in its own right. And, I mean, he just he just freaks out after that. Like, he he, he bashes his head in the uh, steering wheel, right? Yeah. Oh, I think she, they start beating him with a pipe they found. Yeah, straight up Zoe Bell just runs up and starts bashing him the while car, he's in the car and he's the trying window, to drive away. His face is right there <laughs> with the pipe. <laughs> I mean, did, does he stop after that, or do they have to uh, drive him drive him down again? Oh, they run him down. Yeah, yeah they. I mean, that's when they do that jump where uh, old girls just like, I'm gonna tap that, that ass, ass one more time. And they, it's like, yeah, do it, girl, they do it. Him. They flip him over. Oh, they fuck him up. Damn, just like take turns beating the shit out of him in a circle. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, fuck, man. That's, it's good shit, man. It, it's good shit. that this is I think we've mentioned this before he said this is not his best movie ever like he said that he may have over tweaked it I think that was officially what he said he was like yeah this may be my worst my worst film ever and when you really uh, prop it up uh, against the other Tarantino movies I mean it, it does kind of miss some pretty serious marks and it's I think a lot of it is because he's just trying so hard to get that uh that exploitation vibe, like both in the horror element and then it flips it up to be the car exploitation element. 
I think maybe in some ways that kind of confused the narrative a little bit. I mean, it was an interesting way to flip everything around, but it's like, I also kind of feel it's like if you wanted to make a horror movie, make a horror movie. If you wanted to make a, a car, movie, car movie, make, make a, car a car movie. movie. You just put two things you know? together, really. Yeah. Like you, you could have like, or he could have made that a two movie thing where it was like, you know, you have one that's a, more of a horror film, and then the su- the sequel is more of a car exploitation film. Yeah, like they, they, he could have done that. I mean, it could have been kind of like the genre shift that Rob Zombie did with. Uh, between House of a Thousand Corpses and Devil's Rejects. Jesus, yeah. A little bit. Right. It could have been like that little shift, you know, from a campy, basically horror ride kind of movie to something more gritty and disturbing, more like a road movie. You know, I mean, he, he could have done something like that, I kind of feel. But honestly, he, he squeezed it uh, into this movie. And like I said, it, I think it may, it may have lost something in translation along the line there as far as like the movie going public is yeah, concerned. It's almost like, what were you trying to do, you know? Yeah. A little yeah. bit. Yeah. It's like he was trying to do too much Mm-mm. or maybe he didn't do enough with either parts of the movie. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's hard to really put your finger on it, you know? I mean, it's dialogue heavy even for a Tarantino movie, like we mentioned before, but there's kind of a reason for that. I mean, it's because the exploitation movies in the Grindhouse circuit, they were kind of like that, you know? Because it was expensive to uh, film action and gore stuff back then. You know, it was expensive to do so and make it look convincing. So they had to kind of pad a lot of shit in between, you know, and that's kind of what uh, Tarantino was evoking with this, especially with a lot of the shit that goes down in the bar in the first half, the horror yeah. half of the of the movie, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's it's a serviceable film, you know, from a technical standpoint. I mean, I mean, it does look the part of a kind of an exploitation old school grindhouse film, at least for the first half, but then it's kind of abandoned. Yeah. You know, the, the whole cigarette burns, the scratches and everything. Exactly. 70s. Eventually, that's kind of just thrown by the wayside by the time the car exploitation uh, part of it begins, you know. It starts to feel more like a straightforward Tarantino movie, and I think that that's another contributing factor. Like, that kind of, uh, it broke the whole vibe a little bit. I think it was filmed in, like, Austin, wasn't it? Somewhere I think, yeah, I Texas. think the first half of it was... I can see big red signs everywhere. Oh yeah, big like, red is like a huge, uh, it's a huge thing here in Texas. Yeah. Like we we love our big red. I personally don't drink it yeah, anymore. I think it's a little too thick and syrupy, and I don't know. It's something that red that doesn't taste like a fruit just doesn't sit well with me. Mm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> and I know as like I'm a Texan who doesn't drink big red. I don't go to Whataburger, and you know I don't wear a cowboy hat, so. <laughs> Snapbacks all the way. There we go. There we go, right? And Robert's just like, I'm, I'm just going to go with the long hair James Dean look. There we go. Yeah. There we Danny go. Trejo. Danny modern, Trejo. Danny modern Trejo. Day, modern day version. And where do you two disappear to? I had to get something out of the car. Nate was gentlemanly enough to escort me with his umbrella. Uh, good for you, Nate. See that pretty girl sitting by herself at the bar? 
Who, the dirty hippie? Yeah, oh, she's not a hippie. She might as well be a hippie. <laughs> Thank you, Timmy boy. Well, do you know what just happened to her? No, but I know she's a skinny, fake, blonde bitch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, you were telling a story? What about her? <laughs> hey, Warren! Is there anybody in this place you could vouch for to give me a ride home? Fair lady, your chariot awaits. You've been eavesdropping? <laughs> eavesdropping and can't help but here. I think I belong in the latter category. So, uh, icy hot. You offering me a ride home? I'm offering you a lift. If, when I'm ready to leave, you are too. And when are you thinking about leaving? Truthfully, I'm not thinking about it. When I do, you will be the first to know. Will you be able to uh, drive later? I know looks can be deceiving. But I'm a teetotaler. I've been drinking club soda and lime all night, and now I'm building up to my big drink. Which is what? Virgin Pina Colada. OK. Why would someone who doesn't drink spend hours at a bar drinking water? You know, a bar offers all kind of things other than alcohol. Hmm. Really? Like what? Women. Nacho Grande platters. The fellowship of some fascinating individuals like Warren here. Uh, alcohol is just a lubricant for all the individual encounters that a barroom offers. Ooh, is that cowboy wisdom? I'm not a cowboy, Pam. I'm a stuntman. But that's a very easy mistake to make. How do you know my name? When you were talking with Warren, couldn't help it over here. Fair enough. So what's your name, Icy? Stuntman Mike. Stuntman Mike's your name. You ask anybody. Hey, Warren. Who is this guy? Stuntman Mike. And who the hell is Stuntman Mike? He's Stuntman. But a lot of the genre shift in this movie is influenced by the two different, entirely different groups of women that are present in this film. The first half, you know, they are played very much like traditional horror movie uh, characters in a way. So, I mean, I think that that's why the characters are a little more, they're cattier, you know, they're a little more prudish with each other. They're a lot more quick to shame each other for being in sexually open in any way or even not being sexually open enough. You know, it's kind of, it's kind of weird. There's like that dual angle of uh, shaming going on there, you know, but, uh, and, and, you know, Jungle Julia, she's very upfront with her sexuality. Yes. She's just like, I mean, she, she does just doesn't give a fuck. And she even, uh, tries to get butterfly, uh, laid by on, on the radio. <laughs> yeah. You know, cause it's like, it's a girl with a butterfly tattoo. Come and hit her up. Tramp stamps. Tramp, yeah. tramp stamps or something like that. Just <laughs> kind, kind of a, kind of a dick move. I'd be kind of pissed if I had a friend that did that to me on the radio. Oh, I'd be God. like, oh God, are you kidding me? It's like, I'm, I'm going to be, but, but then she's not necessarily flooded with, uh, people trying to hook up with her. Maybe she's kind of vis visibly, uh, bummed out by that a little bit, you mm -hmm. know? I mean, she is like, she was kind of expecting to have to beat them back a little bit. And then when that doesn't happen, she ends up giving, 
Kurt Russell a striptease. Striptease. Goddamn right stuntman yeah. Mike. It's like, and that's kind of a kind of a sleazy moment, you know. Get a couple of shooters into her. <laughs> and but but I mean the the reason that she did that is because they were ragging on her for not being sexually open enough, kind of, which is very weird in in that in that context, you know. Yeah. And that that's why that's why she does that. And it's like I mean. Well, damn, girl. <laughs> it's like you had some principles before. I mean, I mean, whatever. Do whatever you want with yourself. But <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's like whatevs, you know. It's just, it's just more of Taran. I, I, I chalk that up to just Tarantino's shoddy writing on this one. I mean, the, he didn't really write the women characters well. But of course, that kind of goes in line with the whole grindhouse thing as well. Female characters. I mean, they were. They weren't represented very well back then. Yeah. Still, still not in many ways. This was 2007. Yeah, yeah this was 2007, but it definitely evoked that sleazy, grimy 70s vibe when it came to like how it approached the women. Yeah. And the, the female characters, you know. But I mean, yeah. In the end, the uh, the women who have the least amount of camaraderie and the most amount of cattiness towards each other, they're kind of underhanded. They they end up getting killed. You know, in a very brutal way, you know, and which subverts, uh, which pretty much subverts where you think the movie is going. And that's where you uh, shift into the car exploitation element and you slip into Zoe Bell's uh, group of women, yeah. you know, her, her, her group of friends, you know. I don't think he knew what he was getting himself into. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> the second group of girls. Yeah. It's like, I mean, that, that first diner scene, for one, like I said, it starts feeling more like a Tarantino film because that's pretty much like Reservoir Dogs yeah. and Pulp Fiction. I mean, he, there's always Pulp Fiction. there's always some moment in his movies where his characters are in a goddamn diner and they're talking about shit. John Travolta and with Thurman dancing. Yeah, it, it always ends up that way. Like, I, I don't understand what, what this predilection is with diners and shit. And, of course, the first half of the movie happens in a dive bar, which is pretty much like a diner, just with a bar in it. But, yeah, it, it always seems to go back to diners with him. <laughs> like that, that's, that's a weird little motif. But anyway, I mean, the, Zoe Bell and her friends, they have similar uh, aspects to them that the first group of women had, but also very different. Like they, they do seem to have a st slightly stronger friendship with each other. Like they're yeah. not, they don't seem to be very uh, nearly as prudish toward each other. Like, I mean, they're not going to shame each other for their sex lives. Yeah. I mean, I, th I think that uh, the cheerleader girl, uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, I believe, yeah. Like, she, she even openly admits to letting her boyfriend pee on her. And it's like, well... Jesus Christ, yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's not treated as anything weird. It's just like, well, all right then. It's just, yeah, that's fetishes. just your thing. It's like, whatever. You know, it's, it's not treated as something to be freaked out about. No. Now, if the first, now, the first uh, group of women, Jungle Julia's friends, they would have been like, ew, what the hell? You're so gross. Ew. Or they're like, you're not being gross enough can't fucking figure that shit out apparently but i mean yeah i mean even so they're still kind of assholes toward each other kind of zoe bell and her friends but almost like dudes right yeah in a way they're almost like dudes yeah but i mean i think that that's what makes them a little more realistic yeah. kind of you just kind of act like assholes towards your friends yeah here in america that's just that's just how we do it generally i mean not all the time <laughs> 
I mean, I like to think I'm only an asshole like 30% of the time here with you, yeah. at least. And uh, that's that's being generous. Yeah. With me, I'm just putting on an act, too. I'm not really an asshole. <laughs> oh, I mean, for real, for real, man. But, but yeah, I mean, that aspect is kind of realistic in its own right. It's not anything that's uh, too out of line for American audiences. You know, I mean, but even then, I mean, in uh, in order to uh, be able to drive the uh, the Challenger, the Vanishing Point car, you know, they'd pretty much uh, give up uh, old girl as a uh, collateral pretty much go. while they go and uh, drive this fucking car, all three of them. And it's like, and like I said earlier, there's some, I think that there is something kind of symbolic there, you know, because she is what would typically be the quintessential uh, exploitation character, you know, like she's completely uh, open for that to that exploitation as a character, but it never happens to her. Like, e- even though she's left uh, with kind of a sleazy redneck type, you know, yeah. it's, I mean, according to Quentin Tarantino, nothing happens between them. I mean, he pretty much just goes back to his chores. At least that that's his head cannon, which yeah. pretty much makes it official cannon. We don't see anything else after that. We, we don't see anything else that happens to her. Like, there are a lot of, a lot of audiences thought that she was eventually raped. And they were just like, well, that's kind of fucked up. They just left her to be raped to go drive a fucking car. They but fucked that guy's car up, too. No, I mean, I don't think that that's what happened either. No. I honestly don't think so. It's like, I think that she probably just chilled there. He was probably just like, well, there's sodas in the fridge if you, or beer in the fridge if you want one. It's like, and just went, went along his merry way. Maybe got a, maybe got a signature from her because she is an actress. Oh, yeah. You know, maybe got an autograph. I think he knew sh- who she was. Already. He knew who she was. I mean, because Rosaria Dawson tries to pass her off as a porn star. Yeah. But I mean, you can kind of tell like he's just like, oh, mm-hmm. I, I know who this is. He's like, I mean, shit, I, I know who this is. This, is, this ain't no small shit. <laughs> But, I mean, that camaraderie also plays into the car chase, you know? I mean, if if they weren't, weren't such so tight a unit, I mean, I doubt that uh, Zoe Bell and company would have survived that. Their their friendship is what pretty much gets them through that whole segment, that so whole family, chase. Family of stunt women, right? Yeah, yeah, it's like they're pretty much family. Yeah. It's like that's really what it is. They're, they're just a little mini family, which makes them a little more compelling than, uh, than the characters from the first one who... Yeah, they're friends, but you kind of feel like they're just more or less close acquaintances. You yeah, know? they weren't really badasses either. <laughs> no, no, they weren't badasses. They weren't close with each other. They were just, it was just a social circle for them. It's like, you know, a couple of friends barely know each other on the open road. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, and, and and Zoe Bell and her friends, I mean, they, they actually, they're nerding out on the same thing. They're on the same wavelength, yeah. you know. They, they wanted to drive the Vanishing Point car because it's the Vanishing Point car. Zoe Bell the whole time. There's a Dodge Challenger somewhere. There's a Dodge Challenger somewhere. I'm exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah, she... And, and they just totally nerd out on it first, you know, but then uh, Stuntman Mike comes along and just fucks it all up for them and they have to fight for their lives. 69 uh, Charger, that's what... That's Toretto's car. Yeah. Vin Diesel uses that one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In uh, Fast and the Furious. All the movies. Yeah. Oh, man. We need to do the first Fast and the Furious here pretty soon. He's got a supercharger sticking out of the hood. Oh, fuck yeah, man. You got to see that. Oh, hell yeah, dude. I mean, Too Fast, Too Furious, that's like one of my favorite all-time dumb movies like ever. Too Fast, Too Furious. Too Fast, Too Furious. It's (laughs) such a 
it's such a stupid movie, but I really, really love it. Yeah. I really fucking love it. I mean, it's it's just stupid enough to work, and for some reason, Tequila is there, her Nazi ass. I mean, you know she's a Nazi now, right? Is she? Yeah, she's pretty much a Nazi. Yeah, Ludacris is first time acting, too. Ludacris. Luda. Uh, Tyrese Gibson, which is a great actor. <laughs> oh, man, yeah. Tyrese ends up uh, sticking with the movies from that point on, right? Yeah, he's in every one of them. Yeah. Wasn't he kind of uh, bitching and complaining about The Rock being uh, introduced into the cast or something? Like, yeah, was like He was uh, complaining about them, him and Statham getting uh, their own Fast and Furious movie. Jesus, yeah. I mean, they had to remake the Fast Six because of, I think Paul Walker died or something. Yeah, Paul Walker died, yeah. and so they went ahead and brought. Uh, who did they bring on after that? They introduced uh, Scotty Swood, Clint Eastwood's boy. Yeah, like and wasn't that where uh, The Rock came in as well? Uh, yeah, he came in like uh, the the Fast, the Furious, and like the Fast Five, you know. Yeah, stuff yeah, like yeah. That. But yeah, I mean, back to Death Proof, of course. Death Proof. You know, yeah, I mean, the Zoe Bell and her friends, it's like they totally rock. Rosario Dawson is awesome. What, what's the name of the, the girl who, uh, with the curly hair? What, what, what's the name? What's her name? Uh, I mean, in, in the movie, her name is Kim. I don't know what the actress's name was. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, they're very much the uh, pillar of that entire uh, last uh, act of the film. You know, I mean, they pretty much propel that. And that's fucking awesome. All right, Robert just showed me some pictures off of uh, off of Wikipedia. What what is her name? I'm not sure. <laughs> Which curly hair girl are you talking about? Uh, she's the the girl who uh, was driving the Challenger at the end of the movie. Oh, Tracy Toms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I think that's her. Okay, I was looking at this one. <laughs> Jungle Julie. Sorry. But yeah, isn't isn't it awesome how at the end of the movie how they turn uh, everything back on Stuntman Mike? Yeah. Like as like we said, you know, they crash into her. It's rem- and they crash into him. Excuse me. It's very reminiscent of uh, when Stuntman Mike kills Jungle Julia and her friends, and then they end up just beating the fuck out of him, don't they? they turn it all around on him. Oh, they just beat the shit out of him. I mean, and he's a, just a simpering coward. I mean, he's just like, no, no, don't do it. And they just beat him until he stops uh, moving, pretty much, right? With the final kick at the end. That final kick. Oh, yeah, Rosario Dawson's uh, axe kick. Oh, man, that was every level of badass you can think of. That's Booker T style, right? Booker T style, ass kick. (laughs) Axe kicking. Ass kick. It's straight ass kick. Axed. Axe, ass kick. (laughs) Ass kicking, axe kick. Squish his face right into the pavement. Straight up, just caved it in. Like a grapefruit exploded. Hell yeah, man. I mean, well, uh, yeah, he deserved it. <laughs> it's like, I mean, he's she a fucking serial heel, killer. Her heel right into his face. Yeah, yeah and, and she was wearing shit kickers, right? She was wearing boots? Yeah. Oh, fuck. Yeah, I wouldn't want to be stomped with the heel of a boot, man. That 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 sucks, man. But, I mean, yeah, that's that's after he just terrified these women, you know, completely. You know, rode, drove them off the road, damn near killed Zoe Bell. I mean, they, they were pissed. And rightfully so. I mean, right, Robert? Yeah. I mean, that was just insane. But yeah, that axe kick, damn, man. That was just satisfying. Really, really, really satisfying uh, shit, you know? Death proof. Death proof. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Just pretty much building the car towards 
just proof. Yeah. I mean, like we said before, it's an interesting uh, murder weapon, you know, which becomes an interesting set piece for a car chase. I mean, Quentin Tarantino, he really did try to make a real love letter to the genre here. I think he succeeded in, in some ways, and in other ways he failed to hit the mark. I mean, personally, I think he succeeded uh, more in the car exploitation element than he did in the horror element, right? Yeah. He, he succeeded in that element a little more. I mean, it was a great ending. I mean, it really was, and a great half of the film. But like I said, I kind of wish that that would have just been the movie, like, uh, like maybe make the horror uh, part of it like a separate movie, and then make this the sequel to that. Yeah, I kind of feel like that's what should have happened here, and let Robert Rodriguez release Planet Terror in his in his own time. You know, which is a good it's a good movie. I I like uh, Planet Terror. You know, goopy zombie dudes is pretty fucked up. And and, and Jeff Bridges, I mean Jeff Bridges, an old actor too. too. Yeah, he yeah, he was in the he was in that movie. Bruce Willis was in that movie as well. And wasn't Michael Madsen in there as well? Yeah. yeah. Michael Madsen, he was on he was in on the uh what was it? He was in Sin City. I think Rodriguez and Miller co directed that one. First since yeah, Jesus, that movie's crazy. I'm trying to remember if he was in because uh, Quentin Tarantino was also in Planet Terror. Wasn't Mickey Rourke in there too? I was like, yeah, I want to say he is Mickey Rourke. somewhere. Yeah, along the line, who who was he though? One of the bad guys, right? Yeah, Mickey he was Rourke. one of the he was one of the uh, soldiers, right? Yeah, whole thing shot in black and white, right? I don't think the whole thing was shot in black and white. I think uh, a lot of it was in color. I, I remember that distinctively, and and that movie at least kept up the uh, grindhouse feel throughout the uh, the entirety of the film. You know, I, I mean, at least it kind of kept that element up. I mean, not not like uh, Quentin Tarantino did here, where he just pretty much started off with the grindhouse conceit and then just ended up making a Tarantino movie. Kind of veers off into the seventies for car chasing stunts. Yeah, he he does. I mean, he veers off entirely from the grindhouse feel. I mean, the look, the the clicks, the pops, all that shit, it just goes completely down the tubes as soon as, soon as the other group of women are introduced. So, but yeah, I mean, I think Tarantino, he may have hit missed the mark here a little bit, but I mean, it's a fine movie. I say it's fine. If I wanted to rate this, I would probably rate it a th- probably a soft three out of five. Three out of five. What do you think? Probably around, around the same. I mean, I do love the movie. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's an entertaining film, but, I mean, to me, it's not anything that you would really want to, like, put on casually, you know, because it, it the dialogue alone makes it something that you kind of have to pay attention to, like, even more so than something like Pulp Fiction, which, I don't know, that, that movie is real easy to get through. Yeah. Like cinematically, like as far as dialogue is it's concerned. A lot of talking. That's what Tarantino does, right? It's what, it's what he does, but yeah. in this movie, I mean, it just uh, falls flat. It, it absolutely falls flat, even within the Grindhouse context. It's just like everybody just ends up sounding like Tarantino after a while, you know? And he kind of tempered it down a little bit in some of his other movies, like in Glorious Bastards. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, he tempered it down. That, but that was more so it would fit in line with the like World War II movies. I don't know if you've seen you the know. original Inglorious Bastards, I actually have the original yeah. Inglorious Bastards, and I have uh, the Tarantino's Brad Pitt one. <laughs> yeah, the original. It's pretty much a standard war exploitation movie. You know, I mean, it's it's got some interesting scenes in it. I guess it, it's been a while since I actually sat down and watched yeah. it. It's nothing like the remake. No, no. But it does have that grindhouse quality to it. I mean, mm-hmm. there were war movies that uh, showed up in the grindhouse cinema from time to time. And then, I mean, that was one of them. I mean, war exploitation. I mean, and also, I guess Nazi exploitation kind of falls into that a little bit. Like, that's really what Inglorious Bastards is invoking Nazi is uh, and, Nazi exploitation. And Jews. Yeah, yeah and uh, war exploitation and stuff like that. But I mean, here, this was definitely, it was a misstep, but a glorious one. That's what I'll call it. Glorious. A glorious misstep. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you say so? You know what? Yeah, I don't think it's half bad either. Yeah, yeah it's, it, it's watchable, I guess. I mean, if, if, we put, if we put it on right now, I would sit down and watch the whole thing. But I just couldn't see myself watching it again for a very long time afterwards. And, yeah. You know? It's, it just falls flat like that. Like, I could, I could watch uh, Pulp Fiction multiple times. I could watch uh, Inglorious Bastards From Dust multiple Till times. Dawn. Yeah. Over From Dust Till Dawn. Oh, man. That's over a and over again. great movie. I mean, Tarantino was an excellent actor in that film. George Clooney, Tarantino. Clo- and that, yeah, that was, uh, it, it's easy to forget that Clooney made an awesome little genre film like that, you know, and, and it worked, you know. I mean, him and Tarantino have a great uh, vibe between each other was as characters and as actors. They have Chong, chemistry. Danny Trail and Chong were in there. Danny Trail were like Cheech, Cheech yeah. Marine. There you go. Cheech was in there. Yeah, he, he was great in that movie. Two oh, man, I, I got to love Cheech Marine. And he, he was also in Desperado. Desperado, yeah. With yeah, the, with uh, Antonio Banderas Antonio and Sam Bandera. Hayek. Yeah, there you go. That's a movie we got to feature on the, the podcast eventually because I actually have a lot of love for that movie. Desperado, yeah. It's one of, the, one of those early R-rated films that uh, when we were kids we watched. Over and over know, again. Over and over again. <laughs> you know, thinking it was like, oh, it's so badass and adult and everything. It's, it's really kind of tame in comparison to some of the stuff out there like nowadays. But it's definitely a worthy movie. And we should probably do Planet Terror sometime. Like, I mean, it, it would be worth it, you know? I mean, Death Proof, I mean, that was just one half of the experience. And, and, maybe, we, and maybe also we'll talk about uh, some of the trailers next time. Yeah. You know, like Hobo with a Shotgun and Machete, those, those ended up being made into movies. Machete. But also they had uh, Don't, that was by Edgar Wright. I mean, there was the whole Nazi werewolf thing with Rob Zombie. Machine Gun uh, Girl. Machine Gun Girl, and uh, also Thanks Thanksgiving, the, the Thanksgiving one that Eli Roth did. Jeez. Yeah, we we'll get into detail of those uh, another time.
things up here i i had a lot of fun discussing this movie even though this is the first uh, episode that we've done where we haven't really watched the movie beforehand but i i like i said i saw it first run with the whole grindhouse experience yeah. robert you saw it many times so i, I mean we, we had yeah. enough memory of this movie to kind of get through it you know and also youtube videos help yeah reviews <laughs> help a lot yeah. they they definitely help a whole hell of a lot but, I mean, yeah, this movie's fine to me. Go ahead and watch it. If you're into Tarantino films, definitely watch it. If you're but into horror movies. If you're into horror movies, movies or in your cars, yeah. There you go. Definitely. But the next movie that we are taking on is another kind of cult uh, classic midnight movie that launched the career of an awesome, awesome filmmaker. And, of course, I'm talking about one David Lynch. Yes, we are going to talk about Eraserhead on the next episode. I mean, Robert, you haven't seen this movie. No, I haven't. Like, what do you know of Eraserhead? Nothing, really. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I think we're going to go ahead and get uh, the Chancellor Brothers in on this because it'll be funny to watch them react to it. (laughs) I'm sure they have a lot to say about it. Oh, man, that'll be hilarious. That'll be so funny. Because this is a movie that has some pretty intense uh, imagery in it. 
you know, very intense, very personal film for a David Lynch. But we'll definitely get into it. It's it's definitely a mind fuck. It's something that uh, is open to a lot of analysis, a lot of different interpretations. And I think that we'll have some fun with it. Like, really. What do you think, Robert? Do you think you're going to have fun with something like that? Yeah, I just need to know what it is first. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're, you will know. You will know. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that wraps it up. Death Proof, that's our uh, movie for today. Uh, support us on Patreon. We have a Patreon page up, patreon.com slash at podcast, Or I think it might be at Cinema. either one of those. Just go on Patreon, find us, become a patron. Like We're going to start putting film commentaries on the on there soon. We're going to start uh, doing interviews with uh, indie filmmakers, hopefully. Maybe some YouTube personalities. I don't know. And some other podcasters. Hopefully in the near future. Hopefully in the near future. Some other movie podcasters just to talk about film and whatnot. And also we're going to have other exclusive Q&A sessions. You know, we're going to have some live streams up there that uh, you can only find uh, on the $5, $10 level. So, yeah, definitely find us on Patreon. You can also find us on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on Podbean. We're on Stitcher, YouTube. We're on Tumblr. And we're on WordPress. And we're on Google Play as well. Definitely check us out on all of those platforms. Uh, did I say YouTube? Yes, you did. I said YouTube. Yeah, definitely check us out on YouTube. Our YouTube needs more love, and we're probably going to start putting some actual videos up on there pretty soon. Yeah. We will be. Yeah, so we will have our own little mini review uh, segment uh, on YouTube. And also, coming up soon, we will have our next indie movie review. You might as well go ahead and announce that. We are going to be checking out a trauma film called Hectic Knife, which will be really, really interesting. I, I can't wait for that. Trauma films are kind of in a league of their own. This shit. They are the shit, man. I'm, I'm actually psyched to be uh, checking one out straight from the filmmaker. Like, that's really cool. Really, really cool. We're looking forward to that. But yeah, I mean, check us out on the aforementioned uh, podcast apps and whatnot. Find us on Patreon. Please support us. We're trying to go weekly with this. I mean, that would be really cool. If we can. If we can. And also look for some uh, short films by yours truly and Mr. Robert Ortegon here pretty soon. Hopefully you guys can check it out. Yeah, we're going to have it up on the Collateral Cinema Facebook and Twitter feeds here pretty soon. And then I'll start my own page soon. Yeah, yeah definitely, Robert. Yeah, we'll all be looking forward to that. Well, well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. Thank you for all the 320 downloads. It's like we love each and every one of our listeners. Please come back next episode, Eraserhead, Collateral Cinema, out. Bye, everyone. Yeah. Collateral Cinema is an L Company production. All music and movie clips are owned by their respective creators. Please don't sue us. We're poor.